Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. Hello and welcome, beautiful people, to another episode of All Steelers Talk. It's Friday with Derek the Kid. I can never get these points down over here at All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at All Steelers Talk and check out your favorite podcast host on Twitter at Nostrack at Steelers underscore D. B. Derek, before we jumped on here, the NFL dropped some pretty significant news that for the first time this season, after really hammering it down heading into the year, that they will not reschedule games. They have rescheduled not one, but three games officially Monday into Tuesday. The one that concerns the Pittsburgh Steelers the most is obviously the Cleveland Browns at the Las Vegas Raiders are uh, Vice versa, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. The Raiders were literally 10 minutes away from getting on the plane. Now they're going to play Monday night. What's your reaction to this? Do you think anything really changes? Do you think that the Browns could suddenly get 20-plus guys back? doesn't sound like they're going to get 20, but, I mean, I guess Baker Mayfield could potentially play. Um, I mean, their, their goal is obviously to not have, you know, 20-something guys miss and be just playing a bunch of backups. But we'll see. I mean – I'm just not really sure of like what the I mean the NFL before the season had said that they weren't going to reschedule games like you talked about and then now they seem to they've already rescheduled like three or four for Monday and Tuesday. I think the big um, significance for really all the teams that are getting their games pushed back is like what what do those teams look like next week? Because if this kind of has a snowball effect, you know some of these teams are going to be playing on five and six days rest going into next weekend's matchups. Um, of course, the Steelers don't play the Browns for two more weeks. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the Steelers know all about that. They had a freaking like a 20 something day stretch last year where they played like four games on short rest. So um, it just seems like that's going to be a factor as we head into the playoffs. Yeah, it definitely is. And the, the Browns play again next Saturday. I'm pretty sure they play on Christmas Eve and then they head to go play the Steelers at Heinz Field. That's not a good stretch for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think that they get many people back. I don't think it makes a difference. I think that all in all, it kind of feels a little strange. I get like 50 plus positive cases within like two or three teams. I understand that one, but I think overall as a whole, what are you going to benefit by moving it to Monday? You know, like what do you you get a couple of guys back? I just don't know what 36 hours or whatever it does for you. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. It doesn't do anything positive. Maybe you get a couple of guys back, but you get a couple of guys back with zero practice time heading back into the game. And chances are that if the Cleveland Browns continue to test positive today, you think that they're not going to test positive tomorrow and Sunday? Well, that's my thing. Like, what happens tomorrow if they have three more guys test positive? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know where you, I don't know where you draw the line there. I don't know. It's just very, no. uh, it's just very crazy. I mean, it just seems like – this season's going to end up being like really adversely affected kind of by the COVID stuff once again, just like last year was. Oh yeah. I mean, for the Pittsburgh Steelers today, we moved interviews or they moved interviews to virtual, which sucks. Doesn't allow you. Let me tell you though, Najee Harris is the greatest interview I've ever had in my whole life. And it didn't get any worse in zoom. Like he was just like, all right, I'm just going to be Najee again. You're just going to see a little bit less of my face. He's the type of dude who like, like, Here's the camera. This is like how you should frame yourself. He was like up here talking the whole time, <laughs> the whole time. It was, and then he was getting mad. Like when we'd go off the screen, he'd be like, I can't see them. I don't know. 
who I'm talking to. Yeah. I'm like, I love him. I love Najee as a as a uh, interview. So for the Steelers, it has affected them. I mean, like you said, it'll be a snowball effect for the next couple of weeks. Something to monitor. Obviously, we don't have the answers to that. I don't think the NFL has the answers to that. Although I was watching the Pat McAfee show a couple of days ago, and Ian Rappaport dropped that they spent like their meeting time to discuss like changes in the COVID protocol was like 20 minutes. They're like, we have 1020 to 1040 scheduled to talk COVID. And I'm like, that's, that's all you're spent 20 minutes. There's 150 guys that just tested positive. And you're just like, yeah, well, you know, 15 minutes, we could probably check that one out and get five minute lunch. Like that's our best course of action here. The Browns play on Monday. The Pittsburgh Steelers still play on Sunday. They only have one positive COVID test as of right now. It's Monty Adams. And they host the the uh, Tennessee Titans, not the Cleveland Browns, excuse me. Week 15, a must win that I think everybody at this point has admitted that the Steelers cannot lose another game for the remainder of the season. It starts right here against Tennessee. Give me your first thoughts on the Titans. Obviously, no Derrick Henry. Bud Dupree might come back. A couple of injuries on the offensive line. What are you seeing from these guys? I mean, it's just, it's different pieces and maybe a less um, explosive or like a less impressive Titans team, but they still have a really good record. I mean, they found a way to win games. Um, their offense hasn't been playing very well over the past month, but their defense has kind of helped uh, carry them a little bit. But, I mean, it's the same team. I mean, um, they're kind of built up front. They still are able to run the ball even without Derrick Henry, just not as well. But they're still focusing on, you know, moving the football that way. And then their defense, you know, same thing, like built really up front, up the middle, Jeffrey Simmons, um, Danico Autry's having a great year. They got some really exciting pass rushers, maybe getting Bud Dupree back, Harold Landry off the edge. Um, they got, they definitely got some guys over there. And of course, Kevin Byard, one of the best safeties in the league. No doubt. The, their uh, overall defense, I want to start with the offense. I don't know. Did you catch Mike Tan? Tomlin calling Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tandy Hill. I did see that. All right, I'm glad that somebody else caught that yeah, one. No, I I, I'm not a hundred percent on this stat, but I, I heard it literally an hour ago and I was like, well, that's very interesting. Since Derrick Henry has left Tannehill has thrown four touchdowns to six interceptions and the Titans offense has averaged less than 300 yards a game. They're still winning. And just like you said, their record's still good, even if they're beat up, but there's obviously a decline there, right? I mean, there's no Derrick Henry. Where is the hole here? Is it just they're still winning because they're the Tennessee Titans and overall they're good enough? Or is it they're kind of getting lucky because they have not played well? I mean, you can call it what you want. But, I mean, I, I think it's just um, they're finding ways to win games. I mean, that's cliche. But, I mean, Tannehill's kind of like in that upper echelon of, like, game managers, maybe like the top tier of that group. Uh, to yeah. where, like, if you surround him with good play, he's going to play well. If you don't, then he's probably not going to play well. That's that's really been the Titans' issues. Like, up front, they've struggled to protect the passer. Tannehill's always been a guy that's taken a lot of sacks over the course of his career. Um, but I think there's only been, like, four or five teams that have uh, allowed more sacks than they have this season. Um, and then, you know, just Tannehill's really struggled to take care of the ball too. I mean, they're, they're near, they're in the bottom six or seven teams, I think in turnovers, a lot of that's relative to his play. I think he's got 13 or 14 interceptions, a couple more fumbles on top of that. Um, so really that's, that's kind of the, how I see their offense. I mean, they've been down, uh, Julio and AJ Brown have played like a combined, like hundred snaps together. We're not going to see AJ Brown this week, which is a good thing for the Steelers, but, um, I mean, Julio can still stretch the field. He's still running like a guy that's got a lot of 
uh, juice left in in his game. So it'll be interesting to see. Just got to keep the lid on the big plays, especially on play action. Yeah, I think the play action, that's a good place to start or a good thing to address because I think that's where things can get detrimental for the Steelers and a good thing for the Titans. I mean, they are finding ways to win games. At the same time, Donta, Don, yeah, Donta Foreman, excuse me, their replacement running back who has only had one good game, technically, 19 rushes for 109 yards against New England in literally the middle of December or November, excuse me, so you can't expect that. And they lost 36 to 13. So it's not like it was a game-winning performance for the running back. Can the Steelers target that? Can they – can they look one dimensionally? I mean, you talk to players and that's what I feel like where my side, of all of this comes in is like, I just go ask guys like, you know, what's the, what are you looking for this week? Can you take advantage of these things? But I feel like the tape tells, says different things. I don't think anybody in the Steelers nation universe looks at more tape than my man, Derek, the kid here. Mm-hmm. So is, I mean, it, is I- it possible to take away that, that running game and just I- put it all in Ryan Tano? It can. I mean, the Steelers are going to be more healthy up front this week. Uh, it seems like they're going to get Alex Hasman, TJ Watt back from their early exits last week. The problem with the Steelers' run defense is, I mean, even last week, Dalvin Cook's a great runner. But, I mean, when you're going seven, eight yards up the field before you're getting touched, I mean, anybody can could have ran through some of those holes that their offensive line created. Um, yeah. The Vikings are better up front than the Titans are right now, especially without left guard Rogers Saffold. They might be starting a rookie, Dylan Reduns. Um what is that guy's name? Dylan Reduns. He he oh, played oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually Trey Lance's left tackle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did know that. Was a I did second know. round pick for them, but that they moved him inside. That's how they've got him listed. Um a lot of people kind of question if he was going to play inside or out. But nonetheless, I mean, it really just depends. Like, I mean, the Steelers are going to have to be a lot more um, diligent in their run fits. I mean, last week it was the same stuff we've seen really all season. I mean, guys not in the right gaps, poor discipline, get moved off the football, not defeating blocks at the second level. I mean, it's just – it's been a myriad of things that the Steelers have struggled with rushing, running the football. So, to me, um, I would be absolutely shocked if the Titans didn't – still say like we're going to run this football regardless of who's running back there whether it's Foreman whether it's McNichols or anybody else like we're going to run this football and make the Steelers stop us because they haven't really stopped anybody since the Cleveland game so let let me did you hear Devin Bush's interview on Monday I believe I unfortunately did okay let what is your take on his quote if you got bit by a dog when was the next when would be the next time you'd go are you you wouldn't go up to a dog next time or whatever the quote was what how did you take that before i give before i tell you how i took that i took devin's total comments as he's not wrong as in like (laughs) you see what he's saying and that the entire steelers defense isn't playing very well but i do think it also showed a little bit of just like i guess we can call it like a form of immaturity too just not necessarily want to take on a ton of responsibility on your own play, which, I mean, you know, Devin is right, though. I mean, Devin's played very bad. Joe Schobert's played very bad. I mean, there, there's multiple issues on that front seven or really just across the Steelers' defense. They're not stopping anybody right now. So yeah. he's not wrong. It just uh, – his comments came off to me like a little bit of just like whataboutism, if you will. Yeah, oh, it definitely was a lot of whataboutism. I, his comment about the dog thing, when I heard it the first time and – 
I, I mean, I've tried to listen to it again just to be like, no, nah, there's no way. And it is stuck every single time the same way. I took that as like, if you just got bit by a dog, you're not going to go pet a dog again. Well, if you just tore your ACL, you're not going to go make a play on defense. That's what I took that as. It's like, why would I get off this block so that I could attempt to maybe go get injured again? That was like clear as day, him just saying, I'm pretty scared to play football right now. And like, maybe I'll get over that. And I mean, Keith Butler admitted that he that he sees that Devin Bush is not making those plays. I mean, that was concern to me. It was that was the end of it. It was just like why Robert Splain should be on the field. I mean, screw it. Maybe Buddy Johnson should be on the field as well, and just maybe try anything you can besides Devin Bush. That's how I, I mean. I, I mean, could be wrong. No, I think I think that's what's gonna happen. I I talked about this on Twitter earlier this week, but I, I think Robert Spillane he practiced in full yesterday. I think Spillane's gonna get a lot of playing time this week. I mean, I, oh yeah. I mean, if you if you even looked at like last week, I mean, they were, I mean, they rotated in Marcus Allen, they rotated in uh, Buddy Johnson, played like nine or ten snaps. That was like one of the first, probably the first time we've seen him all season. I feel like um, it was first like, six first six then, snaps, a Kella Witherspoon interception, only series of the whole season. Yeah, see, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like, and even the week before, we saw Spillane a little bit for Schobert in the first half of that Baltimore game before he got hurt with the knee. So, I think if Spillane's healthy, I, I think they're definitely going to um, look to get him involved and rotate the inside backers. I know that uh, they talked a little bit about playing Marcus Allen in the dime, which I don't really understand that because I don't think Marcus Allen can do really much of anything for you. Um, but no, no. Marcus Allen's I, mean, like, I think that just tells you where they – Staying with Devin Bush and Joe Schober. They just they're looking for any answers to get NFL quality inside linebacker play, and they aren't getting that with those two guys. So they're like Mike Thomas said, gonna try to turn over every stone and see where that lays. Yeah, well, there's no stones to turn over. Okay. I every week Tomlin says we're gonna look at everything. There's nothing to look at. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers are who they are, they're not a good not football enough, team all around. Enough. They're not good. They have a lot of talent, and if that talent clicks, they're going to be a phenomenal football team. But there's a lot of talent that does not click, and then there's a lot of talent that should click. Devin Bush, prime example of this, that is not playing. I I, I think that Mark Salen actually plays a lot in this game. I'm not going to say I'm excited about that, but I, from what I've heard, seen, it seems like a Marcus Allen playing a lot of dimebacker situation. Um, I, there was also – a little hand, you know, I like to toss myself out there. I'm going to get in trouble one day for reporting all this, but it is what it is. I've seen a lot of Cam Sutton playing in the slot that I feel real good about. I don't feel good about who's on the outside, outside of Akella Witherspoon, because it's not James Pierre. But I could see that being a thing this week. Let, let's, let me ask this, though. This is a great – because I wasn't even going to touch on Julio, but this is a perfect way to touch on Julio. <laughs> can the Pittsburgh Steelers line anybody besides Cam Sutton up against Julio Jones and say, yeah, go ahead, go try, man. Go go do your thing. No, like I said, Julio can still play, man. It's just a matter of if, if he's healthy. That That's the thing, which, um, you know, I, I think for based on the little bit that he's played this season, he can definitely still get open. He's still a guy that you have to pay a lot of attention to. Um, I do think the guy you're referencing, if, if, if they see um, – Justin Lane out there one-on-one with Julio, I would imagine that they're probably going to try to <laughs> relatively easily. I mean, but, you know, the Steelers, like we saw, one of the things that surprised me a little bit last week, one of the only things was just how, I want to say, like, negligent they were in their attack 
on how to cover Justin Jefferson. I mean, there was multiple times they left it one-on-one with Camp Sutton. There was multiple times they left it one-on-one with Justin Lane and kill it. I mean, they didn't, they didn't really play, pay a ton of attention to him, to be honest with you, which is kind of bizarre because the Vikings were without Adam Thielen. Um, and he was really the, the main guy that they were trying to stop. But um, yeah. they didn't pay a ton of attention to him. So, I mean, maybe they do the same with Julio, and I'm sure the Titans – would welcome that, uh, given their injuries at the receiver positions. I mean, no A.J. Brown for several weeks now. He's on IR. You know, they've got uh, Nick Westbrook-Akan, Chester Rogers, Racy McGrath. So, I mean, there's a lot of just names out there that haven't played a lot of NFL football. But, you know, I mean, they still got Julio. So Yeah, they have Julio and a lot of – it's a lot of Ray Ray McClouds. It's like Deontay Johnson and the rest of the Pittsburgh Steelers receiving court. Yeah. That's basically who they're working with right here. Let's flip it over to the other side of the of the football here. The Steelers offense has had literally one focus all week long, and that is figuring out why they can't run no huddle throughout a whole game. They've – they only break it down in two minutes at the end of the – at the end of games when they're down 23 points. It seems to work very well for them. Is that all they can do with it? Is if you make a team, a no huddle team, a Peyton Manning type style offense, some would say, is that just too much? Do you do you think that they can't do that for a whole game, or do you think that they're kind of being conservative, maybe too conservative in how how they use it? I see why they're doing it, uh, why they've avoided doing it, because like I think again at the beginning of the season, I think they wanted to take pressure off of Ben's shoulders. Um, because you know, 39 year olds shouldn't have to carry an offense like that, but uh, they that this is kind of where they're at. I mean, they don't run the football very well, they got a lot of young players on the offensive line, you know, starting two rookies, they got a rookie tailback, they got a lot of inexperienced receivers getting more playing time than they ever have. So, I think it's just a lot of that inexperience that they're not trying to put too much on their shoulders by going up tempo, but like you said, this is their best this is their best chance to move the football. So, like, that's what they need to do. It's something that Ben's really comfortable with. Um, they need to play more up-tempo football. The receivers, like James Washington, Deontay Johnson, have talked about how they've found a groove in those type of scenarios. Uh, so I hope they do it earlier in games because they're not scoring very many points off their scripted plays in the first half. And the defense isn't really stopping anybody. So who cares? Like, if you go three and out twice, like, who cares? I mean, it, at the end of the day, what what's the difference between going three and out twice in the first half with the no huddle than without it? Because, I mean, the defense hasn't stopped anybody anyway. So at least give yourself the best shot, in my opinion, um, and roll with that. So uh, That's how I felt, too. I, and every answer seems to be like, oh, well, you know, you have to keep it the way that it is. You can't, you can't overdo something because then they'll figure it out. And I'm like, well – what you're doing is is being figured out. These first, I mean, Mike Tomlin had to come up with an excuse of why the Steelers' first ten plays have been so bad, and literally said, "Oh, sometimes you script plays to see what the other team is doing." And then Matt Canada was asked about it, and he was like, "No, that's not what we do at all. Actually, that's not what you script ten plays for." I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between. Um, oh, I think there's a big Tomlin, disconnect. Canada to Ben as far as like how they yeah. start games. Look at if Mike Tomlin and Ben, and ben Roethlisberger both knew that this was Ben's last year coming into the season and Steelers nation wouldn't try to hang them for making this decision. Randy Feekner would be the offensive coordinator this year because that would mean Ben Roethlisberger is the offensive coordinator this year. Matt Canada. I think Matt Canada doesn't allow that. I mean, did you hear, I, I think it was Charlie Batch went on the fan twice now 
and literally just destroyed Matt Canada. Just saying, put your ego aside and let Ben run the offense. That's pretty much what should happen. I mean, if, yeah. at this point, well, we've seen for two years now that's what should happen. And and I think, too, like the Steelers haven't done a good job surrounding Ben with what he needs to succeed at this age. But, like, I also want to point out, too, like, and I do some of the stuff that Batch has referred to, like, in the past. I'm not sure what his comments were today. I saw people talking about it. But, uh, like, if they have restricted Ben's ability to change the play pre-snap or make pre-snap decisions, that, that to me, is a fireable offense. So I'm going to assume that that – I'm going to hope that that's not true. Um, I don't think it but, is. But what Remember those means, reports came out earlier this season that said that? Did they yeah, not? That was from Somebody Batch, did. though. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, I mean, okay. And again, I know Batch and Ben have a pretty good relationship. So I won't, I'm, I'm like I said, I don't want to speculate on that. But I will say too, like going no huddle or like going just up tempo, like you can huddle and still move at tempo and change the tempo of the game. Like you don't necessarily have to have Ben call all the plays in those scenarios. Like you can still, like Canada's headset doesn't get turned off just because they're going no, like, you know, he can mm-hmm. still be in his ear and give suggestions by like, hey, what do we look like? And you can even script like an up tempo start and drive like i mean it, that's not that's not illegal i mean you can you can come out and say <laughs> we're gonna go we're gonna go up tempo and it doesn't mean that they have to go all pass plays either like we've seen uh, the ravens game down the stretch i mean they went a little bit of tempo and they had some success running the ball so i mean yeah. it's it's not it doesn't have to be i think as black and white as like we've often made it like it just needs to be like we need to see some type of adjustment just because they're not starting fast enough. And I think at this point in the season, like, which I didn't – I can't believe I'm saying this, but, like, I think at this point in the season, I don't think the defense is going to turn this around. Like, I, I've officially, after last week, I, I think I've turned the page on them, like, turning this thing around. But I think with the way that Ben's played, especially, like, recently, at least the flashes, I think there may be, like, just a little bit of magic left to where like he may be able to limp them into the playoffs and get destroyed in round one. But like, I think, but I think he's your best shot. So that's what I'm saying. Like, let yeah. him be what he's comfortable with and let's just see where it lays. Cause I mean, if it doesn't work, who cares? I mean, they're not winning right now anyway. Like what, what what's the, what are the alternatives? I guess is my, is my question. I, that's the problem. That's the problem though. For the last two seasons, we've been asking that same question. What is the alternative? What's the issue? What's the worst thing that could happen? And nobody who's calling the plays in Pittsburgh wants to say, yeah, you know, you're probably right. We should just let Ben do it and see what happens. That is it. I mean, it can't be, it can't be the fact that they're just trying to gel everything that they're just like, we want Matt Canada to get his feet wet and to get things going because that's not, I mean, who cares? It's you're going to do that for an offense that is going to look totally different in 365 days with an offensive coordinator who might not even be here next season. That's not, that's not what they're doing here. There, there's no logical explanation to say, Ben, don't run the no huddle all the time. And to your point, when you talked about the running game, Najee Harris can't run the ball at all right now because of how bad that offensive line is. But Benny Snell Jr. And Najee Harris were finding success against Baltimore late in that game because they sped it up. You want to put a young group of guys on the offensive line, tell them, all right, block forward when the defense is off guard, that's going to be their best way to find success in the trenches. And what that does, what that does too, to the defense, like when you go up tempo, even if you like, if you do like a muddle huddle where like only the receivers huddle and you just have the offensive line, get on the line and get the call from there. Like you keep the defense off guard, you prevent them from substituting. So like, 
when you do have success with it, I'm not saying they will, but like when you do have success with it and you string together six play, seven play drives and you get down into like the, the, the close to red zone area, they, those defensive linemen and those pass rushers, they've already been on the field for seven plays. Like if you notice like teams across the league, Pittsburgh doesn't rotate their guys as much, but like teams across the league, like they want to rotate their pass rushers because like it keeps everybody fresh. When you make them play eight, nine plays, ten plays in a row, like those guys get tired. You don't see as much of a pass rush. It has that type of positive effect to um, kind of your offense and what you're trying to do. What about the other way around? Does it is there a concern with a limited offensive lineman? I think that's and I, I, like I mentioned, I think the experience and just like them being so young on offense, they're probably not used to that. But like another thing with like offensive line play that like, I mean, I'm pro analytics and like pro pro numbers and all that stuff. But like one thing that you can't discount when it comes to like offense is like offensive linemen like to like to get after it. They like to move forward and run the ball. And that's what I'm saying. Like you can go up tempo and still run the ball. Like they don't have yeah. to necessarily do, you know, pass sets 50 times a game. I mean, like I said, is this formula of going up tempo and asking Ben to win you games? Is it, is it fair or something we should have been doing at this point in the season? No, but it's their best shot to win the game. And that's that's why I'm just kind of like, you know, even with the Titans being relatively strong up front defensively this these past couple of weeks, like, I mean, it's their best shot. Just let him, let him see if he can carry you into the playoffs. If he can't, then it is what it is. You tried to make an adjustment. Um, that's where I'm at with it. So, I mean, if this is his last season and you go out with the whole you tried – you put it on Ben's shoulders and it didn't yeah. happen. That's how this should end. You know, yeah. if that that's where we are right now. Do you think Bud Dupree plays in this game? I lean, yeah. I mean, their edge rushers have been pretty solid without him. I mean, they've gotten good play from Ola, um, Derek Roberson. Of course, Harold Landry been a big time. He was a big time prospect coming out of BC. So um their edge guys have been solid. I, I do think he's gonna play though. I mean, it seems like he's practiced every day, and the videos that I've kind of seen flow across the Twitter timeline have, have been him looking pretty good. So I would assume that he's going to want the opportunity to come back and play and get after Ben a little bit. So I think he'll play how much, I don't know, but I do think he gets activated before the game. All right. So I obviously Bud Dupree revenge game. So this could be dubbed the black and yellow thing. I knew the tweet you're referring to the black and yellow practicing, which was awesome. I feel like a lot of people were like, even when the Steelers suck, everybody thinks about them. I'm like, it's Bud Dupree. What are you talking about? He's the, this is the only game he's thought about all year long. Yes. <laughs> they could be a winless. It doesn't make a difference. You wrote an article. You broke down the film. Got to be two weeks ago now, at least, of Alex Highsmith and his shoes that he tried to step into to fill for Bud Dupree. What are your thoughts on if Alex Highsmith has filled those shoes? And that void that Bud Dupree, I mean, in his last two years has certainly put there for the Pittsburgh Steelers or put there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the numbers that are like the raw numbers don't look as good for Highsmith. And I know like I think the big thing for me was seeing how good he was in the preseason. Like that was just yeah. like he he was their best player in the preseason, which was like just unbelievable to me. Um, so in that regard, am I a little bit disappointed? Maybe, but I think overall, like hospice has been pretty good. I mean, I think he's done a good job applying pressure. I mean, um, do I think that he's ever going to be this like pro bowl caliber player? I don't, 
But I do. I think that he's a quality, like, number two guy across from T.J. Watt. I do for the most part. Like, I really do. I think – uh, Is I that think where they're going for, though? Is that is that, like, the line that they should be aiming for? I think so. Just because, like, I mean, when you're – Edge rushers um, across the league, that's such a premier position. That's why you always see so many of them um, get drafted high. Um, But, like, edge rushers that are drafted, like, after the first round, they just don't have a very high success rate. I mean, you look around and you see guys like – uh, like Daniil Hunter, and like you'll get every now and then Max Crosby, you'll get every now and then type of players like that. But for the most part, I mean, you're a lead edge rusher. They all come from round one. And that's just because like people saw like they're so sought after. And it's such an athleticism based position now, too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Hasmith kind of reminds me a little bit of like a maybe not player perspective, but like a ceiling like Clark Hagan's for the Steelers, oh. like, back in the 2000s. Like, he That's reminds me of that type of ceiling. Like, he's probably never going to be – I don't know if he ever reaches, like, more than, like, 10 sacks in a season. I think Hagen's like, high was probably, like, nine without looking. But, um, like, I see him as that, like, number two guy that's a quality pass rusher um, across from a guy like T.J. Watt. So, um, which I think is fine. I mean, where you got him at third round, he was a comp pick. Um I think he's he's flashed some good things against the run, and that's where Dupree was so good. Uh, Dupree was an excellent run defender his entire time in Pittsburgh, even if he was only a good pass rusher the last you know year and a half. But he was an excellent run defender, and Hasmus kind of grown a little bit in that regard. So I think for the most part, I'm I'm relatively happy with how he's played. He's dealt with some injuries. I think if he was healthier all season, and I think just with the amount of pressures he's put on quarterbacks, the sacks are going to come eventually. Oh, yeah, I think the sacks do come. I, I think, he, you know, he does have a pretty good ceiling, like you said. Plus, I, I think an underlying factor here is that Bud Dupree's final season, Alex Highsmith was a pretty good contribution behind him. Right now, Derek Tushka is a waste of space on the football field. Like, No, nah, it's bad, actually, at this point. Like, it's so bad how bad, how, like, it, I don't even want to say bad because he's always there and he always seems to, like, be in the right spot. But every time I watch Derek Tushka, all I think about is I'm like, he's literally just standing there next to the tackle. Like, tackle's holding him up. He's holding the tackle up. Hey, I, I, I will point out, though, um, my guy Taco had a really good game on Sunday. Taco had a decent that. game. He I think that's the, what pointed, what pointed out why Tushka stinks. Yeah, he, he did? He led the Steelers in pressures on Thursday with four. He, I mean, he had a couple, like, really impressive. Uh, he had two nice spin moves, and then he had a long arm that ended up in – Kirk Cousins lap so I mean it was a it was a backup left tackle they didn't have Christian Darisol so like the yeah, end yeah, from what I understand it was like this tackle wasn't really a tackle it was kind of like a guard they were making play tackle but either way I mean like Taco hasn't had enough success in the NFL to really like be like, like turning away accomplishments and he, he played well I thought in limited um exposure so I thought that was good if they're not gonna scrap this off this three outside linebacker set they need to get Taco on the field during that they need to just scrap oh, yeah. Tushka. like taco needs to see an uptick in snaps this going forward because there's no there is no ceiling or like potential with Derek Tushka it's taco you at least have a little bit um because of the length he has and the things that he can do for you yeah I definitely agree with that one I didn't know that he led the team in pressures that's uh pretty good I did see his at least one real nasty spin on the inside 
Yeah, that ended two, up good, Kirk two good spin moves, and I saw like at least one good long arm move. And he only rushed the passer like I want to say he rushed the passer like fifteen times on Thursday. Um, he got four pressures. I mean, that, that's you take that every day from anybody, especially like nice. third outside, third, fourth outside linebacker, fourth outside linebacker. It should be third, but fourth outside linebacker. As we're talking here, the Cleveland Browns have added eight more players to their COVID reserve list, including Kareem Hunt, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, uh, Mac Wilson, which we knew already, and A.J. Green and Jacob Phillips. So this whole Monday night thing, I mean, at this point, dude, it's going to be practice squad versus Derek, Derek Carr, and I'm still going to put Nick Chubb as – I'm still going to put my money on Nick Chubb to win that game. Bro, like, what are we – what are we doing? I mean, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> if you said before the season that an outbreak was going to result in a forfeit, I'm not trying to blame the Browns players for having, like, for being no. positive. Like, I'm just, I'm saying, like, I don't know what the solution is. I would love for any suggestions out there. Tell me what you're supposed to do when a team has 30 plus positives. Like, where are you going to move the game to? I mean, the, the bye weeks are over. It's late no. into the season. You can't – it's either make them forfeit or you're going to mess around with the schedule and everybody else is going to pay the consequence. And even the Browns, they're not going to – I mean, if you push this game back much further than Monday, there's going to be very, very bad potential consequences for them too. Yeah. Like, that's why I don't I don't understand. I don't know where you go from here. It's almost like – I almost think, like, the logical thing is, like, you just – you make them forfeit and like make all of their players go quarantine and isolate for the next week and do virtual only. And you get back at, like you let them get back after it next week. I, I don't know. I don't know what the other solution is to that. I honestly feel like that's a better solution what, than what they have. I mean, that's proactive. At least you say, yeah, okay, I mean, everybody go get rid of it. Let's just get rid of it. Would I be upset and, about that as a Browns fan? Yes. I know the NFL doesn't want to lose money. They don't want to punish teams, but like I don't I don't know what the other solution is. I don't Yeah, but don't they know. said it at the beginning of the season. They the exact words were if you have a COVID outbreak, you will forfeit the game. Yeah. It, it, that is on you. Now I get the Omicron variant and everything. You know, you we didn't see any of that coming, but I I don't know. I agree with you. I don't I, I this is a very unproactive approach to just reschedule it two days later and say, yeah, everything will be fine. You just had eight guys test positive Friday night, but by Monday at five o'clock, I'm feeling like you guys are going to be in the clear of this COVID-19 nonsense. No, no, <laughs> it's things are going to get so much worse before they get better, but you know, we're here for the roller coaster. I guess that's what it is there before we get out of here. It's time to pick some games. I will say last week we were all wrong. All wrong. What did I? What did I say? You picked the Steelers, I believe. <laughs> well, we the game was before our our podcast, so like we don't have any proof of. Oh, it. oh, true, 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 true. Last week you did not pick. I want to say mean, that I, I want to say that I probably would have picked the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we could just go the week before. Like if you if we're just going the week before Baltimore. We all picked Baltimore. Did we? I'm pretty positive. I thought I'd have to go back and look. It's been a while, actually. Yeah, I don't remember. I've been, if we're being honest, I've me and Donnie have lost a lot of people money on these same-day four-leg parlays. So I've been focused on trying to correct that. It hasn't been getting better. This week I'm feeling real good about the changes we made, but not feeling good. So I haven't even been – to me, I'm just like, yeah, Steelers or whatever. They're 6-6-1. Six, six, like, I'm trying to make some money off – 
Titans or whatever. This week, this week I picked uh I picked I picked the Steelers again. And I don't feel good about it. I don't we'll feel see. good about it, but we'll I spread. did the spread one and a half, which is that's Vegas's way of saying we have no idea what's gonna happen. But on top of that, one and a half, the Titans are plus one hundred at negative one and a half. So that's definitely the sports book way of saying we really have no idea what's gonna happen here. Over under 43, I went 24 to 20 Steelers. I just think that Ryan Tannehill is is not going to outplay Ben Roethlisberger. And I think when you match up these teams, I mean, they could both be really bad. And I'm going to just bank real heavy on the Titans being real bad. Yeah. So, give me uh, plus one and a half dogs over under 43. Give me the Steelers. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. This one's not on me. If the Steelers lose, last time it was me. The Bengals lost. That was all me. Okay. Uh, give, give me the Steelers, and I also I want uh, I want the under. I think I went over oh, heavy recently, but I want the under on this one. I think the Steelers' offense is going to do enough to win the game. I just don't know if the tight like I mean just the way that Tannehill's played. I mean I know the Steelers' defense is bad, like really bad right now, but uh, they've been better at home. At home, they're only allowing, like, 21 points a game. On the road, they're average out allowing, like, 28, 29. So, they've been better at home. Now, the Steelers' offense hasn't necessarily been better at home. But I think with the way the defense has played a little bit at home and Tennessee having a ton of injuries, they're kind of been – they've been in a lot of tight games similar to us, like, barely speaking stuff out. Like, I, I like the Steelers here at home uh, this week. Ben has played really well against the Titans in recent um, – in the last, you know, handful of matchups against them, too. It's been a while. I think the last time they've lost to them was 2012 or 2013. I was going to say, it had to be right around – it might have It might have been, actually, the, the terrible towel game where yeah, they stomped on the towel afterwards. That might be yeah. how long ago. Well, the last time that I think I can remember, they played them in, like, a opener or a home opener in 2012, 2013, I think, and that, that was the last game that they uh, – I think that they lost to them. So – I mean that doesn't that don't mean a ton for this Sunday. I just I, I think the I have a I think the Steelers are going to win this week, and I think next week they're going to get absolutely thrashed. So I'm picking the Steelers <laughs> this week because I'm not picking them next week, regardless. They could no. go hang. They could beat the Titans fifty to nothing this week. I'm not picking the uh, Steelers next week. So not don't even ask me about my pick next week. I'm taking the over and the Chiefs. <laughs> I'll remember that when the Chiefs are like fourteen and a half point favorites, and you're like, yes, mm, I might have to go Steelers. <laughs> All righty. What was your? Did you give a final score prediction? I don't think you gave a final score. Um, you like, said the under. See, when you pick the under, it gets difficult. The, give me like t- 43. 43. 23 20. 23 20. All right, 24 20. Okay. So, yeah, well, one of us will have a decisive winner, or the Titans yeah. will smoke them, and we'll yeah. be here on Monday or next Friday bitching about it. That's all right. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at All Steelers Talk and check out your favorite podcast host on Twitter at Nostrack at Steelers underscore DB. COVID is getting crazy. The NFL is a, a whirlwind right now. Keep up with all of it. Watch your games Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We got a great weekend of football here, and we'll see you next week.